Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best-selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. What is the shaman school? No, you're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The shaman school offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no-nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience, from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society. How to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the Shaman School is a school that we all should have been a part of. One that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I've extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on The Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. tribe and welcome to ancient wisdom today podcast i'm shaman dirk and if anyone hasn't told you how loved and amazing you are let me be the first i love you and i think you're absolutely amazing but most importantly it's not just always about me telling you how amazing you are and how loved you are it's about you waking up in the morning as soon as you lift your head off your pillow to simply say to yourself out loud I love you, beautiful. Good morning. You see, we are at a point right now in our evolution where it's all about the nurture, right? The nurture nature is super important right now for us to level up our manifestation abilities because the more you exercise the masculine, which is the mind, to communicate the right information to the feminine, which is your emotions, you are going to be able to see the feminine aspect of your being, be able to amplify more manifestation in the world and bring more of what you what you desire in your life because you are creating a beautiful, harmonious, loving, supportive, nurturing relationship with yourself. Now that's very important because a lot of times people are always focused on the relationship coming into their life, the relationship they have with other friends, the relationship they have with their family, but they don't have a great relationship with themselves because they don't know how to and they don't know how to get into that space. How many times do you ask your emotions, what does it need from you right now to feel loved and supported. 
When's the last time you asked your emotions? What do you need from me right now to feel loved and supported? Uh, what do you need from me right now to be able to open up and resource new information in your life? All of these things are super important when we begin to think about it, right? And how we associate those things. So important to the point where we as human beings need to understand that if we are learning how to communicate properly to ourselves, we are able to create more in our lives. So one of the things that we have to understand is that a lot of times people are always taking these manifestation courses and doing all these things to manifest because they want to be able to bring more into their life. But what they don't understand is that the key to any form of manifestation comes from connecting a beautiful relationship with the feminine energy inside of you. The feminine energy inside of you, when uh, feeling loved and supported and nurtured and cared for and heard and, and, and really you showing up in, a, in, in the most graceful and honorable way to the feminine energy inside of you, which is your emotions, that feminine spirit that you are is the most powerful manifester in your being. When you want to talk about manifesting big reality, okay, big reality stuff, that is coming from your feminine energy. So if you are beating up on yourself, being hard on yourself, not asking what you need, not checking in with your, your needs, not um, asking what, what the feminine spirit of your being needs by asking your emotions, emotions, uh, what is the thing right now that will make you feel most secure? If you're not asking these questions and, and getting into this type of relationship with yourself, your feminine energy doesn't have enough power and enough energy to be able to manifest big reality stuff, okay? And it's unfortunate because a lot of people will use their, their um, intuition to manifest things. They'll use their energetic frequencies to manifest things, but they're not using their core power, which is the feminine energy inside of them. This is why it's so important for us to learn about what amplification means. To amplify energy, the feminine energy must feel secure, loved, supported, and acknowledged, right? And that's what creates the amplification. So the more amplification, the more magic, the more magic, the more resource, the more resource, the more ability to make changes on a, both an interpersonal level, a collective level, community level, and a global level, and a planetary, planetary level. So as we begin to, to go deeper and deeper into this nurture nature quality within our beings, we then begin to open up a precipice of dynamic frequencies that the planet has even not even yet, I mean, let me say that again, dynamic frequencies that the planet has even not yet experienced and that is there, it's already existing in our realm, but we can't actually experience it because not enough people are holding space for those new intelligent frequencies to come through. So we are activating new energies on the planet. The more and more we are activating higher levels of our ability to manifest. So the more we're manifesting, not just for ourselves, but for the collective, for the community and for planetary um, resource and evolution, we then begin to create what we call a new frequency. And that new frequency then brings in new technology, new information for our development, new ways for us to connect and heal nature, new ways for us to raise children, new ways for us to commune with each other, new ways for creativity to be explored and expressed, and so much more. So we get to actually see this beautiful shift in the paradigm that is, doesn't have to be this dramatic disorderly, chaotic shift that we keep creating through war and suffering and, and illness and, 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 and plagues and all these things that we've been doing since, you know, time and time again in our history, right? And we actually begin to create paradigm shifts that are actually pleasurable. And, and when I say pleasurable, I mean that they are enjoyable to both the individual, to the community, to the collective, and to the planet itself. So it doesn't become this forced 
um, aggressive way of evolving, it becomes this gentle, loving, nurturing way to evolve. And that way we begin to create a resurgence of energy on the planet. So anybody who is going through trauma and through old pain that has been transferred from family members or what they call ancestral um, energies that they've taken on gets immediately dispersed because the frequency relays that are going to be moving through each individual is going to be increasing the level of technology within the human system. And when I say technology, what do I mean? I mean intelligence. I mean light intelligence, right? Lit consciousness, emotional maturities, a, a mental maturity, spiritual maturities that are allowing you as an individual to only seek and only be around energy that is operating and vibrating at a higher um, level of, of knowledge, right? So that means that you won't be attracting narcissistic people in your life, events that are painful, things that are causing you uh, lack, limitation, distress, uh, fear, uh, worry. All of these things will cease to exist because you will not be in that realm anymore. And so when people talk about this fifth dimension, fifth dimension, fifth dimension, what they don't understand is that in order to get to the fifth dimension, we have to level up our relationship with ourselves. We have to be able to step and into a different level of connection and relationship with ourselves first, then demonstrate that through our interactions with others, and then amplify that in everything that we do. So then it becomes a natural connection of evolution, the adaptation of humanity, you see. So like in my dad's generation, it was like, you just kept doing whatever you had to do. And if it was painful, you just stuffed it. You didn't transform it. You didn't transmute it. You didn't evolve it. You just stuffed it, kept a stiff upper lip and kept going until you burned yourself out. And that made it very difficult for my generation because then it made it where parents didn't really pay attention to their kids. They were more self-absorbed. So kids could just do whatever they wanted to do. You know, and I, I was born in what, 1974. So you can imagine, you know, uh, like I, I, I had, no one was home when I came home from school. You know, like we had like our friends and that's what we had. And we could be gone for a long period of time and no one would even know we're gone. Or they'd say, oh, come home when the light comes on, you know, on the streets. Um, you know, it was this kind of uh, feeling of not having a parent really there supporting you and telling you like, oh, you are going to do great on this. Like we stand behind you 100% because they could not show up for the kids at that time in those, in those eras because they could not show up for themselves because they were taught to stuff their emotions, which means that they were shutting down their feminine and operating only out of the masculine, which is the mind, and using analyzation, problem solving as a way to navigate their lives. And when you don't have the emotions in harmony, you can't manifest things very easily. So you have to actually do more toil and more um, work, and you have to work harder to make things happen. And that's how you know the difference between someone who's an amazing manifester, because things just come to them easily and they don't really have to do much to receive it, or someone who has to toil and 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 you know and and go through the trenches and work really hard so, and then they always feel like they're never getting to where they want to go that's because they have they're not in touch with their feminine that means that their feminine energy is null and void in their family and themselves and and that has been a representation in their bloodline and therefore that's why everyone's had to work so hard because the, the part that is able to manifest easily and effortlessly can't do it because of the fact that the feminine energy is not nurtured. There's no nurture nature for the feminine energy. And so because of that, 
that masculine takes over. And you'll know when someone is operating out of their masculine because they analyze everything, they question everything, they use information that was from the past to figure out things in the future, which makes no sense whatsoever because the future is bringing new information, new energy. So you can't keep pulling from the past because then you're going to keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And it's going to be a perpetual Groundhog's Day. And nobody wants a perpetual Groundhog's Day, right? Being stuck in a loop, can't get out of the loop, wondering why you're in limbo, why nothing is happening, why you feel like the same people are showing up, the same pain is showing up, the same things are happening to you over and over and over again. It's because your feminine has been shut down. Because you're not nurturing the feminine with the masculine. You're not asking the feminine what it needs to feel loved. You're not asking the feminine what it needs to feel safe. You're not asking the feminine what does it need right now to be in harmony and balance. You're not communicating with your feminine in the right way. You didn't ask your feminine what does it, what kind of words does it need you to say to it to make it feel um, empowered. You're not telling it it's beautiful when it wakes up first thing in the morning. You're not telling your feminine that it's a genius and it can do anything. You're not telling your feminine how amazing and, and spectacular of a being you are and how excited you are to be a part of this beautiful relationship. The masculine you needs to fall in love with the feminine and be the greatest lover that ever lived. But in order for that to happen, you have to make a decision that you're going to do that. And that's where the love comes in, right? Because anything that you don't bring in to the feminine then becomes a part of your shadow. So when people talk about the shadow, they don't realize that the shadow is the distorted energy frequencies. It's your higher self showing you the things that you have not come into love with, you have not nurtured, you have not brought into the perspective of, of harmony, which comes from your need to show up and, and take responsibility for the abusive behaviors that you've had towards yourself. And once you realize that, then this shadow becomes less and less because your higher self that's playing your shadow says, I don't need to hold these things for you anymore because you've taken responsibility for it. So now I can shine the light even brighter. So this is where we are right now in our evolution. And this is what's showing up. And I know that you have the capability and the power and the awareness to change the way you interact with the feminine, which is your emotions, and watch your life become everything you've ever wanted it to be. I look forward to sharing more information with you so that you can continue to soar high like the falcon and the eagle and the dragon and whatever it is that you see that soars high and be the most powerful lit leader of legacy that you were born to be. I love you so much. Enjoy the rest of the shares on Ancient Wisdom today. Bye. The Lit Verified store is open. But what does Lit Verified mean? Lit Verified is an acknowledgement and stamp of approval by the tribe. I have tried each of these products and they are the best. Lit Verified products vary from beauty, technology, clothing, food, health, and wellness, and anything that is ethically sourced organic, maintained, and sustainable. Not every product offered to the team passes the Lit Verified test. No, not at all. Every Lit Verified product is carefully researched. Every CEO has been met with. Every ingredient carefully looked into the process production of all of it. I have seen the impact these vendors are making. Their vision and ethics are aligned with our tribe, with people who are consciously supporting community and want to make a difference in our world and make it a better place for us. Lit Verified products are ethically sourced and meet the highest industry standards. When purchasing Lit Verified products, we give back by creating sustainability and by leading the world to make better choices. You can be confident that you're buying into a company that supports a vision for change, not just a company that wants to line their pockets with money. We live in a time where we are oversaturated by commercials, TV, and social media, where far too many celebrities and influencers are endorsing things they know nothing about and things they might be doing damage to people, to the earth, and to animals. With Lit Verified, we've taken that doubt out of the equation. 
you're not only getting the best, but you're also doing the best. Pick up your awesome Lit Verified items at shamandurek.com and click on the link that takes you to Lit Verified. Love well, tribe. All right, tribe. Time to hear from our special guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I'm Shaman Dirk, and I'm super happy to be here because we have an amazing share today. You know, we talk about being grateful, and we really understand how that impacts our life. But it doesn't just impact our life, it impacts our community and the way in which we connect with each other and the way that we expand our intelligence and the way we operate in the world. Because when we're grateful, we're actually creating a resonant frequency that is allowing us to connect into all the beautiful energies and vibes. And therefore, it expands more energy on the planet and allows us to be able to be in that space of manifesting more and more things to be grateful for. I have an amazing guy who is going to be sharing with us an amazing nonprofit organization that he's created that is helping kids all over the United States and Canada. His name is Teddy Juseros. Teddy Juseros is the founder of Grateful Peoples, a 501c3 nonprofit teaching kids and children to practice gratefulness in the classroom. He designed the Gratitude Journal, which I, I met him back when in New York City when he first brought it to me. And I have to admit, I did fill some things in there, but then it kind of slipped off and whatnot. But I'm happy to be re-bringing this back in and I'm happy to be sharing with all of you all over the world. And he's created such an awesome community of helping people. And he has donated over 18,000 copies to schools across the United States and Canada. I'm so happy to have you in today's studio with us today, Teddy. So tell us more about like what inspires you to start Grateful Peoples. Well, first of all, thank you for having me and you know, giving me the space to share what I'm doing. For me, it just started with keeping the, my own gratitude journal. Uh, I was in my probably mid, mid-20s at the time and I started... So I really started asking a lot of questions in terms of, you know, how am I spending my time each day? Uh, so I started getting into, you know, really understanding how my thoughts and my emotions kind of dictate pretty much my entire life. Uh, and one of the things I came across was, you know, this idea of... of practicing gratitude and focusing on the good things every day and what it can do do for, for yourself. So for me, I just kept a, a notebook by my bed and, and every night before going to sleep, I, I wrote down three things that I was grateful for. And it started from there. And, and even after a couple of weeks, I noticed my mind responding to things completely differently. And then, you know, the kind of the, the main story of Grateful Peoples and what 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 you know keeping a gratitude journal ultimately did for me was it completely changed the way I relate to my mom's sickness. And when I had that experience, that's when I was like, oh wow, I, I want to share this. You know, all I did was just write down some happy thoughts and and you know my life changed. So simple and so powerful. So that was kind of the inspiration to to create a gratitude journal and, and want to share it. That's really beautiful. And I always think that it's great how we get inspired to do things in life by certain experiences that we went through or certain things we are going through. And some of the greatest inspirations that are developed and created in the world is because of that. What was the thing that was happening with you emotionally in your life that even made you just start writing grateful things in your grateful journal? You know, I... I... I think really, you know, subconsciously what watching my mom, you know, you know, so she, she was, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was about one years old and, you know, growing up, that was all I knew. So it was just kind of, I was just accepted, you know, it was my normal. And, you know, I think without realizing watching her lose a lot of the, the simple things that we take for granted, like, you know, walking up and downstairs, putting on your own shoes, you know, get, get, you know, setting an alarm clock. There, there was a, you know, a phase, you know, before iPhones where my mom would call me just so I can set an alarm so I can call her to wake up in the morning because she couldn't, she didn't have the dexterity in her fingers to, to do simple things like that. So I think just watching my mom lose all these little things, it, it just shaped my mind to, to want to, you know, I just felt so lucky that I, for just for having my health and all the blessings that I was given. And from there, I just felt like, you know, what else is there to do in life besides try to give it back? And then, so that's when I realized I just need to really love myself and I'll be able to, to love, you know, the people around me. So I, I really, you know, my mom's sickness had a huge impact on, on how I see the world and, and what I'm doing today. So I want to go into it a little bit more because, you know, not everyone in the world just wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to start writing gratefulness in a, in a journal, right? 
Like there's a process that comes over you mentally, emotionally, and spiritually that moves you to actually do something of that nature. Like I'm not waking up in the morning and going, okay, I'm going to do this, this, this. Like most of the time I wake up in the morning, I'm doing like ancestral rituals, acknowledging my ancestors, my family, and then putting, you know, the energy that I need out there for the tribe and so forth and doing what I need to self-care and nurture myself. But how did you come to this idea of, you know what, I'm going to start writing in my journal. And what was the motivation that keeps you doing it? Because I can tell you, right, you know, people can say, okay, Derek, I want you to write in a journal, but I am such a busy person because I'm like going here and there and I'm speaking all over the place and doing all kinds of things and interviews and whatnot. Sometimes it's just a process of being able to just stop and say, I'm going to actually write down some stuff in this journal. So what made you start doing that? So actually, you know, I, I think about that a lot because I'm really bad at creating new habits. And for whatever reason, when I when I first when I wrote down my first entry in, in that notebook, it, I, I did it every night for several years. And 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 to me, that kind of just speaks to the power of gratitude and, and what it can do for you. And and you know, there wasn't really kind of like a, a specific moment. I, I remember it was a very gradual and something that came to mind. You know, and just how my personal journey went was I, I completely cut out alcohol and any substances for a few years. And I, you know, was really clean and, and focused on kind of just resetting my body. And I think the, the the few years of doing that kind of really set up the next phase of my life. So yeah, I think it was just a gradual process, and it was more of a feeling than anything, uh, which was really cool for me because I, I was, you know, brought up in a very logical environment, you know, to think very logically about things. And it was the first time where uh, I had emotions were guiding me, and that was really awesome and beautiful experience. And you can't, some, you know, sometimes you just can't put that into words. So I have a hard time explaining what it was exactly, but it was it was a, more of a feeling than than a thought that you know. And it was just a really beautiful experience for me. You know, it's a fascinating thing because, you know, you were saying like how you, you know, stop drinking and, and, you know, putting substances in your body and so forth. Do you feel like a lot of people are having a difficulty being grateful because they're being distracted by things that are actually taking up their energy and their space? Oh, oh, for sure. You know, I've, I've since then, I've definitely, you know, incorporated alcohol and, and you know, things back into my body. And, and, it, and it's a balance because... I, I do think the, these things distract you, let's say alcohol, but it, it, it could also be used to, to benefit you as well. So I'm still trying to find that balance of, you know, when it's okay to have a drink and, and why am I drinking and being very mindful about drinking. But yeah, I do think just there's a ton of distractions out there, particularly, you know, what we're putting into our body that really sets us off track and doesn't allow us to think clearly. So, so yeah, so that, those few years of just, you know, being really pure, it kind of it kind of set my mind on the right track to just, you know, see life in a totally different way. You know, I, I think it's beautiful what you created. You know, we have this understanding in shamanism when it comes to circumstances, life circumstances, things that you may be presented with, right? We say that when you acknowledge those things from, from a graceful heart, from a heart that is open, spirit then reveals to you why you had to go through those things. Right. And so that could be, in its sense, a sense of gratefulness from the old tribal culture, because in tribal culture, it was very important that the shaman or the elders of the tribe would gather the people at certain times and have them acknowledge, you know, what is happening for them in any moment or what is happening for the tribe. And then to be honorable with it, with their hearts. So that way, spirit would reveal to them the teachings and the messages that the tribe needed in order to thrive. So what I find fascinating is how we've, we've taken something that comes from a very old tradition that exists in, in old ways of tribal culture. And I'm sure it exists in many other cultures as well in different ways, right? Because some people would use prayers. Other people would use you know certain ways of acknowledging their lives. And now we've formulated it into gratefulness. And gratefulness has swept across the world. It's not just in the United States and Canada. It's all over the world. People are talking about be grateful for this, be grateful for that. And what I found fascinating is that you know, when I first came into gratefulness and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like a, how do we say, I'm a very cheeky guy. So when I first came into the whole grateful thing, I was just like, oh God, people and their grateful journals and their gratitude journals and whatnot. And I, my friends would share with me their gratitude journals when I was younger and they would say, oh, I'm grateful for my kid. I'm grateful for, you know, you know, whatchamacallit, uh, my kid getting on a roll. I'm grateful that I had a green smoothie today. I'm grateful. You know, it was very interesting, the things they were being grateful for. 
So I never really got into the grateful thing because when I was younger in my like late 20s and so forth, people were expressing it to me in this way. And, and then I was like, well, I, I don't, I, I didn't really connect into that. So what I connected into is being grateful for like when I was molested from my male babysitter, I was grateful for, you know, going into drugs at a very young age. I was grateful for being abused as a kid. And what it did was it helped me to be able to see the wisdom, the teaching and the knowledge that was profoundly created by me choosing these things in this embodiment and then being grateful for those things that happen because they opened a doorway of wisdom and power and, and adaptability that give me the ability to serve humanity. And what my question is to you, like when you are working with children and so forth, what have, what ha, what have you noticed when presenting the grateful journals to children? How, what have you noticed and how in which they utilize it and how it's benefited them? Oh, so I mean, like, yeah, the, the project in schools is the main focus behind Grateful Peoples. And it's been it's been such a blessing in so many ways. And the, the main feedback I get from teachers, which I love, is that they, they notice the kids are they, a greater sense of confidence and there's they're behaving a lot better and there's a lot less bullying. And then they all and they always they talk about grades are higher and, and they just there's less outbursts in class. And 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 so that, you know, to me, what I what I think is happening and what gratitude did for me is you know, the more it's such a simple thing, and and it's kind of like math too. You know, for for people that think logically, uh, the more time you take to look for the good things, there's a greater greater probability you're just going to find more and more of them. So if you just take time every day to, to to write down your happy thoughts, you'll eventually just see you know more good things happening around you. Eventually, see more good things about yourself. So you just create this this idea of feeling secure and, and confidence in the world around you. And I think that's why kids are behaving better. It's simply because they just feel better about themselves. So they're not going to, they don't have the urge or need to go bully someone else to satisfy whatever void they have on the inside. They're just filled with, you know, good goodness, good thoughts. And the, and, you know, and the, the best part is visiting schools by far. I haven't been able to do that for the past few years, but I'm super pumped because visiting my first school in a couple of weeks. And it's just, you know, any, any visitor the kids get excited about, you know, so, so they're all happy and excited. And, and, and you know, they love the, the artwork on the book. So they, they just get really excited just to get something. And then what I, my, approach with the schools it, and the reason why I think it's it's it caught on the way it did is that I don't there there isn't a structure with the gratitude journal the idea is that you you know I, I, what I consider myself doing is I'm just building a community of teachers that understand the importance of mindfulness in the classroom and then everything else happens from there so you know I, I you know work to to be able to donate the books and I find the right teachers to donate them to and then kind of just plant the seed and and let them kind of let the teachers just go with it and and the the commitment is that they have to offer their class even if it's just a few minutes every day uh, to reflect in their journals and just by doing that you know over time you know the power of gratitude will work you know just give the kids the space to 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 do it and it'll it always comes around because there's always a, the teachers always mention that there's a few kids that have a hard time with it either they write down the same thing every day or they can't think of something that they're grateful for but it, after a few weeks they all see see a progress and the kids get really excited about it and it's like you know they ask for journaling time and so yeah it's been it's been a really beautiful experience and the idea is to to leave it open-ended because there's too much structure, I feel, in the school system. And the goal is to teach kids how to think, not what to think with this project. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I'm an advocate for reformation of the school system to creating much more of a holistic, adaptable approach that comes from the understanding of sustainability and emotional intelligence and helping people to understand where their strong points are versus them taking tests and doing everything that everyone else is doing, but really learning through the model of ABK, which some people are audio, some people are visual, and some people are kinesthetic. And not everybody learns the same. So the system should be set up in a way that supports people to see the potential of their being, not making them feel bad because someone is greater than them. I don't believe yeah. in hierarchy, consciousness in school system, hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's been it's been really refreshing. There's like I'm just so blessed because there's so many schools reaching out, so many teachers reaching out, and I'm not putting energy into that happening. And it kind of just speaks to the power of word of mouth. So the fact that there are so many teachers reaching out is is you know a good sign to me. And and unfortunately, they do mention that they have noticed a, a decline in the kids' mental uh, health over the past few years. But the fact that schools are just making this a priority is you know makes me really happy to see. 
I love that. And let me ask you a question. Are you um, also bringing books to, to communities that don't have a lot of funding and economic status? So like, you know, um, inner city schools and places where the economic status isn't very, you know, available to kids. Yeah, yeah. For sure, yeah. I mean, so the the the, the way the projects works is we, we donate the books to the schools, so the schools don't pay anything. So it, so that, that that was kind of like that when I was thinking of this idea, like that was one of the main barriers was that you know schools budget and you know there you know it's, I'm sure many schools operate in the tight budget. So I was like, all right, I have to be able to give them give them the books at no cost to you know get around that barrier. And thankfully, I've just connected with some some awesome companies and individuals that you know share the same idea, and I've been I've been able to to do that. That's a wonderful, wonderful um, mission of love and support because I think that one of the biggest things that I find in the school systems is that they don't have the funding to create mm-hmm. all types of things that would actually help kids. You know, you know, they've they've cut a lot of the art programs and a lot of the things that actually inspire people to see the potential of their being and being able to to enact that in their lives. So now it's just based on going to school and taking tests. So it's nice to be able to see someone like yourself who's out there creating that availability for community. I'm very inspired by that. How have you seen your nonprofit change in the dynamic of children in the schools and the way in which you are supporting? Do you see this as something that is not just for school? Because like the idea that this came to me, for instance, would be how wonderful would it be to create a family grateful people's journal that the family, and it's, like, it's just like an old tribal culture, the family writes down what they're grateful for about each other, you know, and really create what we call a certain type of, of, of what we call insulated tribal community within family structures. Because one of the biggest problems we have in, in the world is families breaking up, families having problems with their kids, kids not understanding the parents. You know, we have this thing on our planet called single singularity adaptation, which is something we have to actually at some point get rid of on our planet. And singularity adaptation basically means that there is an authority figure and then there's someone who obeys the authority figure. So when, you, when you're raising your children or you're in that family structure, anyone who is the elder or the parent has the right to say what is real, what is this, you know, whatever they want to do. But the kids can't re- do what is called uh, dual polarity in structure and adaptation, which is the ability to be able to communicate back to your parents and say, actually, I think there's some places where you could use some help in, in your anger issues or, you know, or ask questions like, why do you feel you need to be so angry all the time, dad? You know, yeah. and like really create a conversation that doesn't happen in families because of the singularity adaptation and we don't have dual adaptation. So we're stuck in this polarity. So my thing is, what are your thoughts in regards to bringing grateful peoples to developing more stronger family foundations and structures? I mean, I absolutely love that. The you know the thing with grief, with gratitude is you can it can just be used anywhere. You know, there's this it's you know, there's no limit to to how you can share it and how to get people to practice. And, and there, there have been some, I have had some parents reach out from, you know, some of the schools we work with and just uh, parents in general, where they, they did buy a journal to for their family to write in. And, and they noticed, and they, you know, they just, yeah, I just get these beautiful messages sometimes that are so just priceless of parents telling me that they, they noticed a significant shift in their children, in their child's behavior just from taking the time every day to write down what they're grateful for. So yeah, the, the idea of you know get, getting more of a familial project going, that, that that's awesome. Uh, that, that's that's a great idea. And and a few and one thing I've been working on, and I just finished another gratitude book. It was you know and the idea was just to get people to think about what they're grateful for in their everyday lives. So I would partner with coffee shops around the country and leave out a public gratitude journal and a little sign inviting their customers to write down what they're grateful for. And it kind of just it just took off. And then. I was really blown away by how open people were in these books. They, you know, they, they wrote some really mean, you know, heartfelt thoughts and, and just really let it all out. And I was able to collect uh, 75,000 of the entries, which I used to make the, the new coffee table book, which is, you know, the, the main purpose is just to create awareness for grateful peoples and the power of gratitude and to help, you know, get more journals into schools. So yeah, there, there's, and then, then I'm thinking about, I, I've had this idea for a long time. You know, something that stuck with me is that 95% of people, you know, serving time right now, they, you know, they, they do their sentence and then they're, they go back to their communities. So that's essentially everybody that's behind bars now 
you know, they're going to, they're coming back to our community and we need to, you know, just give them the right mindset to be able to adapt better. And so I think it'll be really because there's a lot of meditation happening in, in prisons now. Yes, there is. Yeah. And, and yoga. And so I think gratitude is just another powerful add-on. So that's another idea I've been thinking about. And also hospitals. A lot of people are approaching me about bringing grateful people to hospitals. So yeah, there's there's just so much that, that can be done. And, and so I'm just trying to make it happen. Yeah, I think it's great. I'm, prisons, definitely. I've been doing a lot of stuff with with prisons. And you know, they're doing meditations. Like for instance, my book, Spirit Hacking, for instance, has been pushed into all the different prison communities. And so I've been, so I do phone calls with, like I work with Snake River Prison in Oregon and I do phone calls with a lot of the inmates and I talk to them about the things they learned in Spirit Hacking and what do they think and what's how their thoughts and what are they thinking about, you know, the things that I'm saying to them spiritually and so forth. And it's been quite amazing because they've created these groups in the prison and sharing their ideas. And now I'm having to send more books to because they're now passing the books around and other people want more books and they only have one book that they have. So they kind of sit and share and talk about it and read it out loud. But a lot of them want to be able to take it to their, to their cell and be able to, to read. I think that would be very impactful, you know, because I, you know, the thing that we have to understand and more so than anything is community is how do we bring people together in a way where we can empower each other with all of the calamities and difficulties that are showing up on the planet and then be able to create that space for people to be able to stay in that positive frequency to, you know, I call it like, you know, consistent vibing, right? It's that ability to say, okay, I, I can stay in this consistent vibe. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about in shamanism is, and this is why I really love what you're doing, is because in shamanism, we always say that currency or the frequency of currency is consistent energy. And anything that comes in that is contrary to that energy is, is creating a distraction or creating an obstruction. And therefore, that's why people can't manifest because they, they get pulled out of that out of that current. And so the key element is to stay on the river, stay on the current, right? By doing this, and this goes to everyone who's listening around the world, and all of my tribal members and, and the Philippines and Africa and all over in uh, Kazakhstan and everywhere. This is something that would be great for you all to get because you're bringing this modality of, of resource into your community by sharing and acknowledging those things. You're actually keeping your course on that river. And that's so important when we do that. My question is, where do you see yourself in a year? What do you envision for grateful people? Like we talked about about the ways in which you can expand, but like, is there something bigger? Are you thinking of creating some community space or some kind of concert or like what, what is the vision that you, that you aspire to bring um, out of all of this? So, so like, you know, right, right now um, I feel really, I feel great because this is the first time in, you know, my journey with Grateful Peoples where I have my full self and 100% of my energy to, to focus on it. And I'm really, you know, happy and, and proud of the, the foundation that's been created. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the future. And so I, I just released the coffee table book. So I'm really excited to get that out there. You know, the... Now I've got that. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, the, you know, the, the process, I feel very blessed that I was able to put the book together because just... You know, I collected 75,000 entries and I read through every single one. And the process of doing that really, you know, completely changed the way I see human nature. Be able to just get people's deep inner thoughts about gratitude and just showed me so much perspective. So I'm really focused on just getting that book out there because I, I really do feel it can, it can, um, you know, just help people to see things differently. Uh, so there's that. And, and one project that I'm uh, really excited about putting together is... You know, so we're we're working with thousands of kids every year, and, and the feedback from the teachers is overwhelmingly positive. They all, the, the, and like I said, the main thing is that they're they're saying the kids are more confident, and that just makes me so happy to hear because gratitude is something that helped me with my confidence and just feel comfortable with myself. So the fact that you know kids are getting that is it, yeah, it just makes me really happy. So and then like you said earlier, that you know this idea of keeping the gratitude journal, yeah, I, I totally you know it does sound cheeky in some ways. So I want to the goal is to attach some science to gratitude to the gratitude in the classroom project, and and there's already a ton of science out there on gratitude and mindfulness and how it impacts our overall health. But it's all short short term research and it only focuses on the individual. 
And I think it'll be really cool to get some long-term studies done in the you know in the schools that we're working with, tracking the you know how gratitude impacts the group, you know, like group culture, group behavior, grades, you know, and and any other metrics that that we can think of. And then I think you know the idea is that you know I, uh, what I imagine is like you know a, a sixth grade you know a sixth grade class coming in and then they practice gratitude every single day until they graduate as as an eighth grader and kind of just track them. All. And the idea is that you know we can use that research to help grateful people and other nonprofits, you know, just to use it as, hey, check this out when they're looking for funding or to get support for their for their projects, you know, for other organizations working on mental health in schools. Then we could also use the research to just go straight to school systems and say, hey, like, check this out, just five minutes a day. And it just costs a couple of dollars for, and has this impact, you know, and just go straight to the... To the you know to the school system and say you know you guys got to be doing this so that's what I'm working on now and then I'm, I found you know I've connected with a, a handful of schools that are they're on board to like really collaborate and you know give their energy to like be part of a study like this so now I'm just focusing on finding you know a, either a university or a group of researchers that are interested in this kind of work and and then yeah making it happen. I think that's a great sociological project to to adhere to because you know collecting data. And showing that is also going to help a lot of people. You know, that's how acupuncturists did it, acupuncturists and and then yeah, yeah. and yogis, and that's how they started getting accreditation and getting the support from different types of funding and so forth, because people actually saw that there are scientific facts um, presented on what it does, including meditation as well, right? And I think the key element is for us to keep creating ways for us to integrate those modalities as a part of the human behavioral system and how we operate as human beings, that this is a natural aspect of our evolution. It's not some woo-woo thing that people do yeah. because it's a part of the new age spiritual community or whatever people, you know, whatever, whatever people want to attribute it to because that's so that they can create an excuse and not do it, right? So I think that's wonderful. And I think that's absolutely necessary more so than ever, especially where we are today in our evolution is getting that, that concrete evidence, you know, and having that, 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 that idea uh, presented, you know, so we're coming to the end of our wonderful interview with such, with you. You're such an amazing man. I want to ask you, what is one of the ways that our community or the communities who are listening around the world to our share today can give back to your organization. So, I mean, right now, my main focus is just creating awareness. Like I said before, I, I'm just really humbled by the number of teachers reaching out. And I, I know I can't support all of them at the moment, but I'm going to support as many as I possibly can. And, and for me, that starts with creating awareness for, for grateful peoples and and you know the power of gratitude in the classroom. So just getting the word out there is, is huge. You know, if, if you know, if you know of any organizations or individuals that would like to learn more, you know, please make the connection. It's it's all just it's all just human connection. That's my main focus with everything is just building relationships. So that's kind of always the the square one kind of focus is just connecting with people. So yeah, please reach out. I love I love meeting new people and and I love new ideas and new thoughts. So just spreading the word and creating awareness is is really the a huge help. Huge help. And do you have a website or a social media or anything that people can um, find you at? Yeah, uh, gratefulpeoples.com. And, and uh, please check out the new coffee table book. I'm really excited to share that. And at Grateful Peoples is our Instagram handle. And, you know, I post pictures of all the kids and their journals and what they write. And then, you know, that's really cute and always uplifts my day when the teachers send me pictures. So, yeah, you can, you can connect uh, through there. Fantastic. You know, it's been a pleasure, Teddy, to have you with us today on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast and to share your love and your devotion to seeing our world get better and to change the lives of children all over the world. Oh, thank, you. thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate, you know, the helping me get the word out there. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. How was that for you? I was, it was great. It was my first podcast in a while, so you know, I'm getting back into it. But I, you know, I, I really do appreciate you having me on. I really do. Absolutely. Yeah. How, yeah. So yeah. How, how are you feeling? I feel great. I think it was great. I think you you did wonderful. And oh, thank you. I think people you. are really going to be inspired by this talk and really start to think about things in a very different way. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. You know, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people will hear about it through, through you. So you know. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Love you. Love you too, Shamir. Have, have a great weekend, okay? Thank you, my love. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. Bye, honey. I've created the Healing Temple because people all over the world want and need healing, but don't have the access to those healers. 
or can't afford them. One of the biggest high-ticket items in the world today is remote healing, but some sessions cost hundreds to even thousands of dollars. And for only $10, the Healing Temple is a collective space for people to come together every Friday for 30 minutes. Participants are opening a wellspring of abilities, alleviating stress and brain fog, where the mind becomes more optimized and performance-based, and where you learn to utilize energy to up-level your consciousness. The Healing Temple also helps to break down walls where you begin operating in awareness of wellness, feeling ambitious and inspired like things are really changing in your life. Inside the Healing Temple, you're also stepping into a world where you might experience phenomenons that you thought wasn't possible. Something as small as a chill or the hair standing on the back of your neck becomes like an opening door. Some members have even said they've experienced increased psychic abilities and that these sensations have intensified with following sessions. I've trained my powers to impact change and I've learned how to get results. Who doesn't want to feel good? The Healing Temple is not only beneficial to you, but also to those around you. Because when you're feeling good, you shine that positive energy onto others. Your partner, your children, co-workers, even your dog or your cat. Everyone around you begins to feel better because you are feeling better. It's a rippling effect that's much needed on this planet. We need the Healing Temple more than ever right now because of all that's happening in the world, the social political structures, calamities, chaos, and feelings of hopelessness and despair. The social climate is on high and this pressure cooker is taking a negative toll on how many of us feel. The Healing Temple offers comfort on a global level because when more people are feeling good, the more kindness, generosity, and realness is generated. For only $10, I invite you to become part of the community that seeks to do good, to feel good, and to make this world a better place. Go to shamandurek.com and click the Healing Temple to join our wellspring of healing, restoration, and elevated consciousness. See you in the temple. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, tribe, no matter what, stay lit.